well, 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 well. Welcome, my friends, <laughs> to this fine radio program known as Smoking and Toasting. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Welcome to show number 63. We will be exploring uh, Texas rum with Grateful Dane, and I will be turning down my phone, which is doing Facebook Live, which makes it sound echoey. And so I have to remember to keep the volume down, so. My apologies. Welcome. It's a uh, it's a uh, two show week, and we're really excited about uh, this show in particular because um, uh, Ian Book of uh, Grateful Dane was our first spirits guest ever on the show. And so we're psyched to have him back. And we'll be talking about his new products coming up. Uh, we want to let you know that we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And stand by. You ready for this? And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Opening November twentieth. Awesome. Yes. So fantastic. Get out your calendars, friends, and uh, and mark them. If you're in the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area, you must go. If you're uh, somewhere else, it's road trip time. That's all I have to say. Oh yeah, we we need to schedule we'll, ours too. We will be road tripping for sure. So, so a lot going on. We have really got a backlog of things to talk about on the show that I promised we would get into. That, you know, the shows, you know, will sometimes take on a life of their own. They get away from us a little bit. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the beverage sampling. No, uh, nothing to do with and it. The problem is the shows get so interesting that sometimes we miss stuff. That's what I keep saying to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I, The interesting part is when I start saying stuff. Well, I, I will tell you that I actually was, I went back and I was watching the, uh, the YouTube uh, version of the show, uh, I think it was uh, two, three shows ago. And I promise that we're going to talk about this thing, and you appear to be genuinely interested in it because I can see your face in the camera, so I could tell if you were just like, you know, feeding me a line or not. Right, right. And uh, and then we never got to it. The whole show, I kept waiting to hear. Well, did we do that? No, I don't think we did it. <laughs> and it was the story about um, the craft brewery that was uh, brewing the first craft beer for women in menopause. Yeah, I remember that actually. Now yeah. that you say it, so so I brought the story. We'll try to get. We to have that to get today. to that. Yes, we'll try to get to that today. Menopausal beer. Plus, how many cigars is too many, or how many is enough? How many is a lot? More is actually more. More I've is done actually a study. more. All right. Well, we'll, we'll more is not less. More actually is more. We'll consult Michael Jordan on this. <laughs> the basketball great, and we'll get to that in a little bit too. And uh, we have a take craft back update. We brought this up on our last show, which was just a couple of mm -hmm. days ago. And in just a couple of days, the Take Craft Back uh, total stands at $2,335,560 raised and or pledged for the this is, this Craft is Beer Association of America campaign. for their whole idea of buying Anheuser-Busch. A brilliant campaign. Yeah. Have you heard about this yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> it's it's a it's the whole idea that craft brewers want to be able to um, uh, to stop the trend of the big beer being you know buying out all the all the interesting uh, small craft breweries. So they've decided to just turn the tables and try to crowdsource the money to buy uh, what, what was it in fifteen billion dollars something like something that like that yeah two hundred and fifteen billion dollars uh, so anyway they're working on crowdsourcing the money it's to be a lot uh, yeah it's it's going to be a lot and the the interesting thing about it is if they don't hit the total they will never hit your card is what they promise so you can if you go hey all right I'll give them a hundred bucks and you give them a hundred bucks if they don't make it they you'll never get charged so it how, makes it easier to pledge how interesting right? would it be yeah. if they did. It, it, <laughs> like they were successful in actually buying it? Yeah, how interesting would well, that be? Well, think about what the challenges would be for them then. Then you've got guys that are used to running things on a smaller level. Yeah. Now they got to produce Budweiser. Like, think about just... I, I remember hearing a statistic once that if uh, the Budweiser uh, plants all stopped for some reason... That we'd be the country would be out of Budweiser on store shelves in a day and a half. That store shelves are actually only That's a day crazy. and a half beyond production so, for so the most think, part. You think it might be a little bit of a white elephant if they actually did win? I think it's a brilliant campaign, though. I think I, it's think, wonderful. I think they'd turn it upside down. Is what I think. <laughs> I think. Can you see the guys from like you know, uh, I don't know, Wicked Weed or or, or uh, think about think about the guys from Stone 
Suddenly would, being in charge of Michelob Ultra. They would make it very interesting, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, of course they would. It would be awesome. Then then we would not be worthy of Michelob Ultra. No, we wouldn't. <laughs> we barely are now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so welcome to show number 63. We are really excited about being here and really excited about um, uh, tasting these rums, and we will get to that. But Ian has brought along with him. Ian, by the way, not our Ian, but Ian Mook, who was our first spirits guest on the show ever. Thank you. Uh, he was the founder and proprietor and master distiller of Grateful Dane Distilling Company, which was the very first rum distillery in Houston, which is so cool. I think that a couple more may have popped up by now. That's true. But you will always get to be the first. Well, thank you. Because you, <laughs> you were there first. Houston's and, oldest uh, rum distillery. That's right. I did it. That's right. You are. You said, <laughs> just like St. Arnold is Houston's oldest uh, craft brewery, right. you're the oldest rum distillery. That's it. So I'm here for that, the long that works. But now you've got two new products that, and I, I will admit, I've seen these on the shelf already and went, oh, we got to get Ian back on the show. So I'm really excited that we're doing this. Uh, but you've got two products to talk about that are now available at retail. Is that right? Uh, well, our spice is available at retail. We haven't okay. released our gold at retail yet. Oh, so that's yet. not out this yet. This is okay. only available at the tasting room. We're open okay. every Saturday okay. um, from 1 to 5. <clears throat> but we are releasing a very small amount before the end of the year. Oh, exciting. Uh, so follow me on Facebook for when that hits the store shelves. All right. So we'll get to that more. We'll make sure that we pass all these links along so this becomes an easy thing uh, for you to do. So, uh, Plus, we didn't get to one of our beers on Tuesday's show, uh, so that beer has made its way back. And it was the beer that we got asked about on um, on uh, the Facebook Live yes, feed, yes. which is uh, something from Abita Brewing. So we'll be tasting the Abita Brewing Turbo Dog, which... Ian and I have both already admitted that we really like, but we'll you know we'll taste it. But we'll there's talk about nothing what, wrong with talking. We'll talk about, about it. what it's like. Yeah, uh, I also have from Rubber Soul Brewing in Salisbury, Maryland, Maryland, their Paceline Session IPA, uh, which is uh, something we have not tasted before. I have not tasted before, and we have the uh, from Boonville, California, the Anderson Valley Fall Hornin. I don't name these folks. I just I just <laughs> buy them. Fall Hornin Pumpkin Ale. Because it's that time. Right. If we don't start doing our pumpkin ales and and our, uh, you know, scary Halloween beers, uh, we're it's going to pass us right by right. here. So, <clears throat> so we got to get onto that. So, <clears throat> so so much going on, and so much uh, going on is always a good thing. And uh, normally, this is the point in the show, Ian, where I would ask you if you've smoked anything interesting this week. But I guess because I just saw you on Tuesday, I sort of have to ask: Did you smoke anything interesting yesterday? I did. Okay, good. <laughs> I did. I actually opted for uh, because it fit in my pocket, and I went over to a buddy's house uh, yesterday evening and and hung out with them, and we sat on the back porch and I had a cigar. But uh, I had one of my uh, wife's favorite cigars, and this is a Drew Estate Java Mint. Oh, this is like coffee and mint in a, uh, infused. Yeah. So the size the size that I had it was like total pocket, like fits mm-hmm. right in the pocket. It's a four and a half by thirty eight. It's called a Petite Corona. So it's a small size cigar, um, and it's a gorgeous cigar. Like just the wrapper and everything is so beautiful on it. And everything it tastes like an Andes candy. I know what you're talking about. Those the really little, thin little rectangular thin mints, chocolatey mint things. Yes, it yes. tastes just like that. It's it's a flavored cigar, but it's a well done flavored cigar. It's not obnoxious. It doesn't have real weird artificial flavory right. kind of things going on. Um, it's it's like a little candy. It's like a little snack. It was wonderful. <laughs> well, I will tell you that if you're going to go flavored cigars, and I am a fan actually of the acid line, which right, is Drew Estate, yeah. and I've also had uh, the Java, mm-hmm. and those are good. And there's one other uh, in the line that has some some uh, flavor to it as well. But in any case, the uh, dirt. Naturals. Yeah, the Dirt Naturals. Yes, those are, are, are good. Or the natural line is very good. I like those. You lines. can't go if you're going flavored cigars. You can't go wrong with Drew Estate. Drew Estate, right? And you also get pretty good luck with the Cao flavors as right. well. Nub makes some. They're they're cappuccino I and macchiato that. flavors. Yes, and they, stuff. they're they're very coffee and and right, espresso right. oriented. But, but yes. we're talking about really high quality flavored cigars, not the not the cheap like well, you right know, wild cherry. Yeah, no. <laughs> watermelon blunt. <laughs> watermelon flavored blunt. You gotta love the blunt. <laughs> you gotta love the watermelon blunt. How about um, you? Did you get a chance to smoke a cigar? Well, yesterday? I did. I know this will surprise you, but I managed to squeeze a cigar into <laughs> right? yesterday, and uh, I wanted to uh, talk about it because I thought this was really interesting. Now you know that I went to the uh, Stogie's Wingding uh, last weekend, yep. and so whenever that happens, it's awesome for me as far as planning the show because I come home with a bag of cigars, some of which I might or might not have actually. 
bought or noticed or whatever. So you come on with, oh, I was like, oh, good. We have plenty of new things to talk about on the show. And so I smoked one with that idea. I just reached in and said, well, I've never talked about this. And I grabbed uh, in from my humidor where I put all the new stuff, the Fonseca Nicaragua Toro. Now, Fonseca's are generally best known for their classic Fonseca line, which are right, all right. Dominican Republic, uh, and all uh, they're you know they're a classic along the lines of you know an Arturo Fuente or or a Macanudo or mm. a Monte Cristo something like that. Uh, but these this new blend, <clears throat> the Fonseca Nicaragua Toro, is blended by Manuel Casada. And I am such a fan nice. of what he does. So um, this line is the first one where they've entered into Nicaraguan tobacco. Uh, they use an Oscuro, Crio- a Criollo 98 wrapper uh, and binder and filler from Nicaragua. The pre-light was all leather and earth, a little bit of hints of nutmeg. What interested me about this thing is it, bam, right off right off the bat, a full-bodied cigar. No medium to full. It was a full. Straight up full. Straight up full. Packed a punch from the very first puff. There were notes of earthiness, which I expected. Uh, there was a, even a little bit of a hay sort of a note. But about a half inch in, here came cocoa and leather. And uh, it was a fairly straightforward smoke, but had just enough complexity to keep me interested and keep the the sort of fullness of it from getting too over overpowering. Um, it was in my bag from the wingding, so I didn't actually purchase it over the counter. So I was a bit surprised when I looked up the price. Um, I was going to give it a five price to quality because I thought it was about an eight to ten dollar cigar. When I found out it was a four to five dollar cigar, so I'm going to give it a six point five. Wow, nice! Uh, so there you go. It's a good cigar. I, it's not my favorite Manuel Casada cigar for sure, but certainly worth four to five dollars and more. So. There you go. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. We will be back and be tasting some rum coming up. We're excited to have Grateful Dane back on the show. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. My name is Cruz. My co-host, my cohort, my partner in crime is Ian Barry. And Ian, uh, this is the second time now on the show that you've been one of two Ian's on the program. Right. You know, well, the strange thing is, if you have a name like, uh, a more common name, Dave or, Dave or Steve, Steve or, or something yeah. like that, and someone yells your name, half the time you're probably not even going to pay attention. When your name is Ian, right. You're right. anytime someone says Ian, <laughs> so you're always Ian, turning yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably You true. know this feeling, right? Yeah. I, I think that's probably true. So, um, well, Ian, uh, Ian Mook is here. He is with um, the Grateful Dane Distilling Company, the first uh, rum distillery in Houston. I want to. I want to correct what you said. He's not with them. He, he is, is them. them. <laughs> well, and I think I think I remember this from last time. It was just like you and a couple of friends, right? In in the very beginning of Grateful Dane. I do have volunteers come in. Uh, okay. We do volunteer bottling days, but uh, and then my, wi- my wife helps on. Days, uh, I love it. <laughs> I, I should have brought a sign up list. Yes, uh, I, I would do it totally. Uh, I would do it. And then my wife helps on the tasting room uh, when we're open on Saturdays. But aside from that, I, I handle everything else myself. So this it's really a one man operation, and that is what I think. When you you want to talk about an actual micro distillery. Well, this really is that. We got to catching up a little bit before the show, too, and we were talking about last time he was here, he was actually uh, working a 9-to-5 and running the distillery, and he finally, earlier this year, took oh, the plunge. That's a big step. It is. Doing it's full-time a big, It's scary, too, now. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've, lo- I've lost my share of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. But, but well, it's worth it. It, it. it really is an amazing thing, though, when you can do this thing that you love doing and do it all day. And do it. That's what you wake up and do. That's what you're, you know, doing all day. And it's it's really an amazing thing. So, I'm guessing that this means you've had a certain amount of success and acceptance for what you've been putting on the store shelves. Can you speak to that? Yes. Uh, so sales have been uh, steadily increasing. Uh, they aren't shooting up uh, drastically fast because my marketing budget is is you know basically non-existent but uh and i would imagine you've got like you've got to be able to fill the demand as well like it's not like you've got cases and cases sitting around waiting to go to the stores right absolutely yes i so i uh yeah i've got i've got uh cases going out every month so Mm -hmm. we, we always have uh every month my fermenters are being filled and emptied and filled and emptied it's uh constant orders are coming in so that's That's awesome now is there uh Obviously, everybody deals with the whole, um, you know, the prospect of when it's time to grow. But do you have 
the amount of machinery and equipment that you need for the near future, or are you reaching a, a sort of a, a bursting point pretty soon? I built everything to scale, um, yeah. so I am I'm set up for the the next little bit. Uh, when I get to the point where I I run out of room with my equipment, um, I'll be doing pretty good, <laughs> okay, uh, gotcha. and, and then yeah. I'll be able to you know put that extra money towards uh, more equipment. So I think we'll be we'll be okay. Now I see your name all the time on the uh, marquee at Community Bar, because I drive by that way quite often, and I see proudly serving Grateful Dane Rum. I'm like, hey, That's pretty cool. that was our first spirits guest. It was mm-hmm. awesome. But uh, but you've obviously met with, at least locally in the Houston area, some people that have really become fans. Absolutely. And uh, those guys, I assume, must be fans or friends, because you're, you're up on their marquee quite a bit. Yes, uh, they... The lady that owns that bar is super awesome. She told me, uh, you know, you can put those letters up there. And I, th- I figured she was going to leave it up there for a week or two, yeah. tops. And it's been up there for almost, almost a year I, I now. I want to say almost a year. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, okay. awesome. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And by so. the way, so since since they're giving you a plug, I'll give them one. Awesome. Taco night is not to be missed Absolutely. at the community bar. Those tacos are unbelievable. Fantastic. Yeah, They have a good steak night, too. Yeah. Oh, I, I I have not been for steak night, but I'm aware that it exists. Yes. So, so yeah. But the tacos. Oh my God, just just terrific. So I think you told us the first time you were on, and correct me if I'm if I'm off on this, but didn't you tell us that we asked you how you learned the art of distilling rum, and that you you learned by watching videos on YouTube? Is that really true? Pretty much. I mean, YouTube. I, I did a lot of you know forum reading. There's there's a lot of. Um, resources out there to learn the basic practices that are necessary for distilling ethanol um and so you know self-taught via youtube and and internet and uh, I've, I've read a few books and i eventually took a class before i took the big plunge into opening a distillery to make sure that i had a grasp of thing uh, handling uh, this on a commercial scale which has been more challenging the distilling side or the business side the business side uh, I got into this because I I like distilling I like making rum I like making a great product but I've had to learn how to be a marketer how to be, and, and a how to be the guy standing behind the little thing you're doing samples in the store absolutely stuff, right yes yeah. and and uh, it's been a, it's been quite uh, an experience I've learned a lot of new skills which I believe is how we met and how we got you to come on the show the first time wasn't it were you at a specs location yes. yeah I spent a lot of my time wife there. and I saw you there yeah. it's <laughs> like a lot of time this there. is good you should come on the show <laughs> thank you well um, it's got to be just incredibly rewarding then to see that you have had this growth over the and this is growth i'm guessing that all essentially has come before you've introduced your two new products right that's yes so hopefully this will be a year where you would really see that growth kind of go to another level i i I think so so one of the things that stuck with me uh when you were here last time is we asked if you had any other rums because you just had the silver um which was quite nice uh and you you told us specifically you had uh, other rums in the works, but they weren't ready yet. They weren't aged enough. You had to wait until the rum spoke to you, absolutely, and said, "I am ready to be released." <laughs> I'm very particular about my product. That's. I think that's great. That shows an integrity to to the distilling process and the aging process. It says, you know, we'll sell no wine before it's time. You yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> so. exactly. So how um, how much different is the actual rum? in your gold which i understand the gold is not technically not released yet is that right uh, i mean it's it's released it's you can released buy it at, at, the, the, at the distillery, at the distillery right. and it's, it should be uh, uh, about uh, 10 cases are going out later this month and they'll be throughout stores throughout the city at least so is uh, this the same rum just different aging absolutely so this is our texas silver rum which since mm-hmm. i've been here we actually won a gold medal at 2017 miami rum festival congratulations i did not rum. know that that's fantastic uh, thank you i'm not surprised by the way because of how good the rum was thank i you. i was i was always i was so pleased when we had him on i was i was just excited that you know he was our first spirits guest you know and we, oh he's he's from right here in our hometown and uh he's you know just kind of starting out just like we were and uh and then i tasted the rum i was like Wow, this is I'm a I'm a you know an añejo rum guy. This silver is good, you know, and that's what that's what I uh, really kind of spurred me on to becoming a fan of the product. So I'm actually very excited to taste the gold. Now, by so, by rum standards, how long does it have to be aged to be a gold? Uh, as long as you want. Okay. Um, rum is looser about that than some spirits, right? Yes, exactly, and that's kind of one of the main reasons I I picked rum. Um, but. <laughs> um, this is this spent about just shy of two years in ten gallon barrels, 
So we're able to achieve uh, in two years in a 10-gallon barrel because of the volume to surface uh, area ratio difference. Uh, what it takes in a normal size barrel about 15 to 20 years okay. so in the standard size you know mega distillery this is going to be about the same uh, flavor profile uh, you're going to get about that same return on from your oak as a 15 to 20 year run now, i read an article recently about some guys uh in a, a, a whiskey distillery in los angeles uh, a very small whiskey distillery that they've invented some process that does the chemical equivalent of a longer period of aging in like a week, mm -hmm. basically. So you can age uh, whiskey for a week and it, it undergoes the same chemical changes that would happen if you left it in the oak barrels for, you know, whatever, for five years, for 10 years, for whatever, whatever the right amount of time is. That's interesting. I, I didn't know what to think of it when I read it, but it's interesting because what you're telling me is that the size and the, the way the science is applied, I guess, does actually impact the quote aging process is Absolutely. that right yeah and and people are finding out all kinds of shortcuts to be able to get uh the age product to the market quite quicker and I, i'm familiar with through they use like ultrasonic frequencies and yes it was, it was really fascinating yeah, yeah there's all kinds of ways to do it we just we we'd go the traditional route and just use a smaller barrel smaller barrel and, uh, <laughs> and our warehouse is a uh, is not climate controlled so we get that that temperature variance throughout the day mm -hmm. so that wood's um, breathing a little bit exactly too, yeah. exactly wow um, and and so this this rum then was in those uh, barrels for how long? About 22 months. It, 22 it's, it's months. Been, it's been sitting in the barrels. Wow, it is really wonderful on the nose, I have to tell you. This is one of the most oaky rums I've ever tried. And isn't it interesting because... Like in a great way. Thank you. you would expect that, though, from something that had been aged for far longer, this level of oakiness, right? Absolutely. And is, uh, is this because of what you were describing? And I also, well, many rums are have sugar added wow, uh, post distillation, and they also have caramel for color, caramel coloring, and mm -hmm. also just kind of sweeten it up. There's no caramel or sugar added to this at all. You're getting that oak. That's the difference between the silver and the gold. Is you're you're getting the oak, and it's not covered up by all that sugar that you normally find this, in wow. your typical rum, and that really. Helps it pair with like this a has great cigar. a pleasant yes. rum flavor. It has that huge oak with some vanilla notes and um, and that stuff. And then it finishes huge, with huge oak a is exactly really right, pleasant yeah. heat that lingers yes. a little bit. Yes, it's it's on the finish, and mm -hmm. then it sort of stays with you in that wonderful. I'm so glad it's almost Christmas time, kind of a way. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I remember you talking when you were on the show the first time, Ian, um, about the silver rum that we were sampling. And you basically said this is straight out of the, uh, the still. straight out of the still, yeah. That absolutely nothing was added or changed, or it wasn't aged. And I remember thinking, how do you get it that good, like just without anything? Right. Uh, but this is a great example of what happens to it mm -hmm. when you're able to take the time, and and do. I guess if you're starting with a pretty solid. Um, you know, product in itself because, like I said, we tasted the silver and it's yeah, fantastic. This, uh, your gold and your spiced are all uh, all starting from the same distillate. That's correct. So, and yeah. you're doing. You said you're doing all natural. Like there's no added. Yes, all, anything no added artificial. Anything. Nothing artificial. Everything nothing like added even the caramel. You're making your own caramel in the in the spice room, correct? In yeah. the spice room. That's I can't wait to have this with a cigar. This is going to. That's pretty nice. Marry so nicely because <laughs> of the oak. Mm -hmm. It's because yeah, that, that oak, oak is, is so. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, this, leaves, uh, this leaves that oak uh, a slight astringency on your tongue, like a good dry wine does, almost. Mm -hmm. Like yes, like that nice dry snap to it. I, I'm really enjoying that flavor. And interestingly enough, because I know you market this as Texas rum, there's something about that oak flavor that makes it sort of taste like Texas. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. I, it really fits. All right, that's smoking and toasting. This has been very, very interesting. Uh, tasting the gold, we will still have more rum to taste, and we have some beers to uh, put away as well. So stay tuned. It's smoking and toasting episode number sixty-three. It's all right. Welcome back to smoking and toasting. It's episode. Number 63, we are sampling uh, Grateful Dane rum, and Ian from Grateful Dane is our guest on the program today. And we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, opening November 20th. Bacon, 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 bacon. Okay. Uh, it's a beer segment. So, Ian, while you uh, open up our first sampling beer, 
let me create or let me uh, right a great wrong by bringing this story to the show that I have teased, I think, for several weeks and never done. The first craft beer specifically for women in menopause has been developed in New Hampshire. Of course it was New Hampshire. Uh, the Portsmouth Brewery <laughs> is releasing the beer. It's called Liber- Liberation, like liberation but with two E's, so Liberation. 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 Uh, brewery co-owner, uh, co-owner Joanne Francis has called the beer a breakthrough in what is essentially a male-dominated industry, and she's certainly right about that. She says, it's taken years to bring this idea to market. After consulting with women health practitioners and herbalists, our team came up with ingredients believed to relieve symptoms like sleeplessness, hot flashes, and mood swings, she said in the press release, and we want to shift the mentality from focusing on the negative aspects of the stage in life to celebrating the liberating aspects. And she says she first floated this idea six years ago, and then it was initially met with what she describes as disgust and horror from her employees. <laughs> but she persisted, and the beer was just recently released. It contains a number of, the, of ingredients that herbalists use to help women deal with menopause, like motherwort, lemon balm, chamomile, and stinging nettle. So there you go. Stinging it is from nettle? the Portsmouth Brewery, and it is called Liberation, L-I-B-E-E-R-A-T-I-O-N. To the best of my knowledge, it's not available to us here in our, our home city of Houston, Texas, but I'm sure that if you're listening in the Northeast, in New England, you can find this. Because Portsmouth Brewery is very well known, actually. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I, I'm a little speechless on that. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what's <laughs> I, I, um, I, I think Go girl? A, I, I think it's a fascinating idea. Uh, I mean, you, uh, you know, obviously... Your rum company is young, so you haven't experienced, uh, haven't experimented. I'm sure with any of these sort of like crazy, like what if we added this? Uh, would that would that time ever come for you? Say you're you're ten years down the road, your your uh, company's successful. You've got you know a number of different lines going. Would you ever go? Let's just try this. It's a crazy idea. Let's try it. Possibly. I'm I'm a very I'm a traditionalist. I don't right. like putting anything in my rum. I let letting the rum speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know it's. I'm I'm always uh, open to new things. So you never know. <laughs> well, uh, that should be very interesting if you do. Uh, I would I would want to be in those meetings, just to fly on the wall. Guys, in those I was meetings. thinking salmon infused rum. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think oh, of man. two <laughs> things that just would two never go just, together. Yeah, would never go together. Yeah. That's salmon right. Salmon infused rum. <laughs> uh, so uh, from Salisbury, Maryland. Which is right on the Maryland Delaware uh, Beach uh, line area, uh, comes Rubber Soul Brewing Company and the Paceline Session IPA. Now, uh, Paceline Session IPA, they say we give catching a draft a whole new meaning with this citrusy session swiller. Dry hopped with citra and cascade and topped with a pinch of orange peel. You'll forget this flavor bomb is a session. I also want to mention that the Rubber Soul Brewery, in addition to borrowing their name from a Beatles album, is a fully um, solar-powered brewery. Now, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Fully solar-powered. So uh, this smells like a cream ale. Yes, and not so much a Session IPA, huh? It doesn't really. Well, it, you can smell mm-hmm. the hops in it, but it really smells more like a cream ale. Oh, you're so right. And I'm getting first nose of it here, but you're right. It does have a very creamy. It reminds me actually a bit. Uh, we recently tried... That eighth wonder cream ale right, that was right. uh, that was hopped, dry hopped. Yep, this uh, starts off flavor wise like uh, like a light IPA kind of flavor, and finishes with a grapefruit, with a real slam. grapefruit. Yes. <laughs> like, is, now I will tell you, I think this is actually quite good. This this works for me for again for what it is supposed to be a very summery sort of refreshing, um, you know, not. Not too bad of an idea to load a few of these up in the cooler and head to the pool, that type of thing. Does this work for you? I'm no. I'm, I'm not seeing this work for you so no, much. No, this is uh this is not something I'd I'd choose again. It's mm-hmm. the uh the, the grapefruit kind of takes over everything for me and it's a little too much on the end. It is pretty intense. It's pretty now, intense. Ian, you're a rum purist, but are you the same way with beers or do you like all the experimentation? I, I appreciate good Reinheitsgebot, um, but uh, a good, uh, you know, flavored beer is <coughs> yeah. definitely uh, something. I'm just, I'm, I'll always try something once. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. what, do you, what do you think of this? Does this work for you at all? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, I like it. I find it to be 
oh, okay, you're right. It's a, it's a big grapefruit it's wallop a grapefruit on the end. Wallop. But I but I like it. We were just talking actually before the show about the fact that I didn't want to uh, to have one before we went into the show because I didn't want it to like sort of twist my palate that direction. But the Shiner Ruby Red grapefruit beer is actually a very enjoyable summer beer, and I always get at least one six pack of it every summer. That being yeah. said, that's not one of my first choices either. I realize this. So yes. uh, this is this is just a personal flavor thing. This this is for me. It's a little too much grapefruit. Uh, it's a pretty decently made beer. It tastes pretty balanced overall. It's just that that grapefruit aftertaste for me is not doing it. I'm just showing that to the camera. I don't know if it's the right one or not. Paceline uh, Session IPA from Rubber Soul. So uh, I, it smells great too. Though. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it really refreshing. So, so that's very interesting. All right, we'll come back to uh, we'll come back to something else that should be interesting and different uh, beer wise in in just a few moments. I do want to mention that um, I've been reading Ian the, uh, Ian Mook that ultra premium rum is totally blasting off as a category in the spirits world. That it's uh, one of the fastest. Growing categories. So you're talking about your, you know, really long aged, um, you know, ultra, ultra extra añejo type uh, rums and things that probably are price tag wise, you know, sixty five, seventy bucks and above. Mm-hmm. Um, is dis- are you aware of that? Is that something you're, you know, you're cognizant of? And does it impact you because you're at you're at sort of the different end of the spectrum at this point? You're doing very affordable, very sort of like fresh forward sort of rums you know yeah i I think uh you know price point is kind of what sets rum apart from whiskey um you know whiskey sky's the limit with with how much a bottle can cost but uh, even your ultra premium rums are usually no more than just about a hundred bucks yeah um you know the most expensive stuff that you can find in the store shelves and uh i eventually i plan on doing single barrel releases and and more ultra you know along the lines of ultra premium but you know uh Rum takes time to age. If you're going to call the, it ultra premium, time. what's yep. the price point on that bottle of gold that you'll be releasing? Uh, this is going to be about thirty-eight dollars uh, before tax. That's well worth Boy, it. Boy, you can't beat that. You yeah, really that's can't. That's well worth it. You really can't. That's uh, that's right in the same neighborhood as like the the plantation um, five and the plantation uh, with uh, with pineapple that we were talking about it during the break uh, that I like a lot. They're just good. You know, very straightforward, good, enjoyable drinks, and uh, boy, that but that's just as good. So I'm I'm excited to get to uh, the segment where we're where we're going to taste the spice rum, but we're on to beer here, and this one should be interesting, uh, Ian. This is from Boonville, California. It's the Anderson Valley Fall Hornin. Again, I don't name these; I just buy them. Fall Hornin Pumpkin Ale, and so we haven't had a pumpkin ale yet this year, so this should be an interesting. Because my palate, we just we just did grapefruit for God's sake. I mean, that's as uh, that's as a uh, 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 what do you want to say? That's as summary as you can get. And now we're going to shift gears very uh, dramatically into a more fall sort of a, a yeah, that, taste. That grapefruit is still lingering on me. Now, how are you about pumpkin ales in general? Yeah, it really, you know. Normally, like uh, like last year before we did our pumpkin ale show last mm-hmm. year, which we did a bunch. We had like twelve or ten. Pumpkin Quite a few, ales. yes. Um, I really generally would just pass by them, except for the St. Arnold Pumpkinator, which I, I just feel like you should have one every year. <laughs> it's part of honoring the holiday, right? Right, right, right. It's just part of the holiday. And I had mine last night, actually, with my buddy uh, Scotty, um, and uh, which is fine. It's very pumpkin-y beer. So mm-hmm. overall, it wouldn't generally be my first choice. However, we had a few last year, and I'll have to look up the names, that were just outstanding. There were some great ones last year. We had one that tastes just like the crust of the pumpkin pie. I remember that. You could just taste the actual crust of the pie almost, and not just the pumpkin. Uh, it was it was very interesting. Well, this beer is is a, a pretty fascinating too. All brewed ale. It's an ale brewed with pumpkin and spices, and it's from Anderson Valley Brewing in Boonville, California. This Talk is interesting. This has got a light pumpkin flavor to it, which is nice. This tastes like beer with pumpkin, not pumpkin with a little beer. And that is true of many pumpkin ales that they are pumpkin <laughs> yes, with a little yes. beer. Yeah. This, uh, but what's interesting about this is you get that kiss of pumpkin flavor, but you get that uh, cooking spice that yes that smell that that cinnamon and and all the uh, spices that you put in the pumpkin pie is really prevalent, especially on the aftertaste on this. I actually enjoy this. Yeah, it's it's quite good, but the pumpkin 
kind of comes and goes almost. Yes. You know? Yeah, the pumpkin you flows it, pretty quick. You get it late in the those, flavor profile, but then it's not what lingers. But those baking spices come right back in. Mm-hmm. That I find that pretty interesting. How are you feeling about this, Ian? Uh, I'm, I like to try new pumpkin beers every year, and uh, this is I've never had this before. I, 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 I would open another can. <laughs> that's, that's what it looks like right there. And let me show this to uh, the camera as well. The Anderson Valley Fall Hornin. I don't know why. I, I don't know if I get the the horn reference. It's a but bear with there's antlers. a there's a bear with antlers here and bats around him. But up here on the top rim of the um, of the can, it says. I think it says bold or it's it's either bold or bald. Hornin. I'm going to guess it's bold. It's just hard to read the font. Bold Hornin since 1987. So I'm wondering if Hornin is no, I think something. It's B A H L, Ball. Ball? Well, that ball ma- that's even more mysterious because I have no idea what no idea. Ball Hornin would be. It, it seems like something rather suspicious involving the Dalai Lama or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, Maybe that's the ball. bear's name. Maybe. Okay. We should, they should get in touch with us and let us know what we're wow. looking at here. We're going to have to find these uh, find these people. 6% ABV and very enjoyable. It's, it's lighter it's than you might think. It's a good beer. All right, so we've had a couple of good beers. When we come back, it's spiced rum time. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting, feeling swanky and rum tasting like. Uh, we are uh, live in the studio today and enjoying being back in the studio. It's fun to be out on the, uh, you know, on the road, do the shows on the road, be able to smoke a little bit. But it's also fun to be in the studio and get to play with all the camera toys and all that kind of One stuff. One day we're so. going to talk Bobby into letting us smoke in here. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> he's like, okay. Yeah. He, he's go he's saying, it. go for it. Yeah, yeah. I think fire alarms would go off. Yeah, right. I think, I think the cops would be in here, and we definitely don't need anybody poking around into our backstory. So, <laughs> uh, so that's the thing. Uh, we are brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, beginning on the twentieth of November. Ian Mook from uh, Grateful Day and uh, Rum Distillery is here. They are the first. Uh, and uh, original Houston's oldest rum distillery, rum Houston's distillery. oldest. Um, thought you might find this interesting. You probably know this already because I'm sure you keep up with this stuff. But there is a brand new leader in sales among all liquor brands, and it's not one of the big boys. Well, I guess they are a big boy at this point if they're a leader in sales. Yeah. But it's not one of the perceived big boys. It's not Jack Daniels. It's not. Uh, uh, any of the ones that you would perhaps expect, it's from right up the highway from us. It's Tito's Vodka from Austin. is now the number one selling spirit brand. Not owned by any of the alcohol giants and considered, I guess, a pioneer of the craft spirit movement, aren't Absolutely. they? Yeah, he's the he's the godfather of craft distilling. So he's how does this? King. How does this, does that make you happy? Does it make you excited? What's what's the reaction of somebody that's in your position when you see that happen? Um, I think it's great. He's been at it for a long time. I think he yeah. started as a distillery in '94, so mm-hmm. um, it's well deserved. He's and I've met him. He's a super nice guy. And it's a great product too. Yeah, it's, Tito's it's vodka is product, quite yeah. good. There's a reason his price point is unbelievable mm-hmm. for the quality of that vodka. Well, that's right. You know, um, before Tito's kind of hit the market, things have shifted since then. But before they became sort of like available everywhere. To get a vodka as good as theirs, you did have to pay considerably more. Yeah, yeah. you know. Well, one of one of my reps is actually used to be a rep for Tito's in the late '90s. He said you couldn't you couldn't give this stuff away. It was just it was it was this really? great product, but everybody was you know stuck on their Grey Goose or, or right. whatever they were Thought buying. They it's, needed Belvedere craft, or craft or, wasn't a thing for distilling right. back Isn't then. That interesting. And, so and that I was, wonder if, and maybe you can speak to this: is the craft distilling movement benefiting from what happened at beer? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. With people being becoming more interested in the whole smaller batch, mm-hmm. handcrafted kind of uh, kind of vibe. Yeah, I think I think it's you know the craft craft beer really followed what wine did, um, right? And then and then distilling just following behind that. And I think it's more of a direction in towards just artisanal crafted items, mm-hmm. not just spirits, but everything. People are appreciating things that are handmade now. 
Um, instead of, yep. you know, now that robots are doing everything, people kind of appreciate, <laughs> you know, going st- stepping back and going back to how it was done for the last hundred or thousand years. I, well, you're right. I, I always personally, like when I go to a different town or even in my town, if I can buy local, I will I will buy local and try. You try it, to. You know? Sure. Always, always. Certainly makes try. sense with like fruit and vegetables and things like that. To, right. To, to buy local, it's going to be fresher. It's going to be. Potentially and more delicious. I think there's, I think there's, there's a lot of people out there that buy the the big brands solely on the fact that, the, and this is there's there's an argument for solely on the fact that okay, if I buy this brand, I know exactly what I'm getting every single time, mm-hmm. that consistency. Mm-hmm. However, like me, I like to try different stuff. If I see something that's a little different, I want to go, you know, right. let me try that instead. Well, I think there's a lot of that in the craft beer, and then to follow the craft spirit uh, movement is people just wanting to try new things and to, wanting to experience new things. And you never know. You may find your next favorite beer. You may find your next favorite rum, your next favorite spirit, uh, with whatever it is that you're that you're sampling that you haven't. That's When I sit down at a restaurant, I always ask to see a beer list or, or ask them to recite it off, and I'm always looking for that one that I don't know. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. And I go, I'll try that, yeah. you know? Right. Well, ask, I think ask that's... Ask if there's anything that's not on the menu. Right. Oh, see? Oh, yeah. see, yeah. I never, never think of about that, but I think that's following over into uh, restaurants as well. You know, you can go across the country and you see the same series of restaurants, sure. in the same order almost, in the same right. strip centers that right. look exactly the same. Whether you're here, or you're in Boston, or you're in, you know, wherever mm-hmm. you are. No, and, that's right. But there's been a resurgence of those those kind of craftier uh, mm-hmm. places. I think it's I think it's just starting a whole movement of let's do some stuff different now. Well, that's kind of what has happened at Grateful Dane. If you think about it, Houston did not have a rum distillery of its own until you got started and you you honestly you're the you're like the textbook guy for just a guy who wanted to do it and so he just did it like you, you know what i mean like you, you you watch the videos on uh, youtube you took some classes you did some reading but it wasn't because you come from a long line of family distillers of rum you know yeah. or anything like that you just said this is what i want to do and you started doing it in your spare time, and now it's your, you know, now it's your everyday thing. Exactly. So tell us about the spiced. I'm really curious. So this is the spiced rum. Uh, this also starts out as our Texas silver. Um, the difference being is that we take all natural spices and infuse it. So we use, I make a steeping bag out of cheesecloth. It's similar, basically a tea bag, uh, and we put uh, whole bean Mexican vanilla, um, which is actually uh, I've found now that I've started making this is a uh, very uh, difficult to uh, find. Oh really? Um, but is it, it the I, whole bean part of it that makes uh, just, it difficult? Just, or just, just um, vanilla in in Madagascar and Mexican mm-hmm. vanilla are both the, you know your two highest grades of vanilla, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know if, if there's just a shortage right now. Or I know what, every but time I'm in Mexico, I buy like the baking vanilla yeah, and bring it back. The, yeah, right? it's the be- yeah, in my opinion, it's the best vanilla. So I got I put that in there. Um, we use uh, coffee. Uh, it's a uh, from Java Pura Coffee Roasters. Uh, I have their head roaster, Alex. He uh, selects a single origin bean that gets roasted the same day it gets infused into the rum. They're actually in the same complex as my distillery, so I just walk over there and grab a big old bag of it and <laughs> carry it over. Sometimes he brings it to me. Um, and then we also use, uh, it's lightly oaked, but we don't bar- uh, barrel age it. We use oak sticks, so the oak is infused that way. Um, and uh, I make my own caramel from the same sugar that the rum's made from. I I'll caramelize uh, the sugar and make a nice uh, caramel, and it adds some color and also gives it some, some of that caramel flavoring. Uh, as well, and um, and that's pretty much it. There's a little bit of raisin in there as well that kind of adds to the sweetness. It so, smells delicious. How and, much and Jamaican allspice as well? That's where your Jamaican spices allspice. is okay. really going to come from. So, how much experimenting did you do, or or maybe a better way to ask that question is, how many times did you go? Okay, let's taste this. Yeah. Before you got to the one where you said that's the keeper. I went through so many mason jars of tests. <laughs> I had counter like our entire kitchen counter was covered in different mason jars that all had different numbers with different variances of spices and I'd narrow it down to which spices I liked and eventually till I just narrowed it down to like two or three and then I'd started really tweaking those until I just right. designed my own final and so there's a lot of little half half liter mason jars. So I would ask the same thing of you that I ask of the cigar rollers which is can you, after doing all of that, can you trust your palate? Like does your palate get Overwhelmed. It at is. A it is. Point. Yeah. It takes a long time because of that. You know. You just kind of. And it's. I mean. Even if you're spitting it out, you still absorb a certain amount of alcohol, and, and you know. Then your palate's. You know. Mentally skewed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to really kind of pace yourself. Uh, and that that that's what took a long time. And. Uh, 
but yeah, it, it took it took quite a while for me to to kind of figure it out. So this is the spice drum is the most tinkered with rum. Uh, I kind of consider it a separate rum from the gold and the silver because the gold and silver are are very pure products. Well, this, this is has yeah, loaded with flavors. This is fascinating because on the nose, that's exactly how I describe it. Wow, there's so much going on mm -hmm. in this rum, and not what I was expecting. Although now that you've described what's in here, like I get it. Ian, what's your thoughts on Well, on I've already nose? done research. Oh, okay. Well, talk to me. <laughs> um, first off, it smells amazing. Mm -hmm. It smells like rum. It smells like a spicy rum. You get a lot of that stuff. It doesn't taste like any spiced rum I've ever had, ever, and I love no. this. No. It, it's such a unique and interesting flavor. Um, that baking spice kind of thing that we talked about, uh, it has yes. a lot of that. It has the, the heat, just like the other... Uh, just um, like the gold does. Just yeah. like the gold does that comes right back and just kind of lingers for a while. It's a pleasant, pleasant feeling. Like if you're wanting to stand stand around and warm yourself up Christmas time, this right out of the well, bottle is delicious. You were so right. It definitely has a sort of a fall or a holiday Absolutely. vibe to it. And I don't know if that's the allspice that's yeah. making it, me a great perceive of, uh, that yeah. or the combination. Yeah, it's a, I think it'll make a great hot toddy this winter. Oh, oh put a I stick bet. of cinnamon in it. It's got a, a sweetness cloves. to it that feels real natural too. It's not a sticky, like sickly sweet. It's just a really nice, pleasant sweetness to it that it's a um, it's a thinner viscosity than most um, most drinks that you would have that would have this kind of spice. Absolutely. Does that make and sense? And there's really not a whole lot of spice in it. Right. Um, it's it's very lightly spiced. <clears throat> and I had so many doing tastings all the time at Specs and, and, and in liquor stores throughout the, the the state. A lot of customers say, well, whenever you have a spice drum, then I'm interested. You know, because I had a, a silver at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had never really even planned on making a spice drum because spice drum is really not my jam. So I said, you know, if I'm going to make a spice drum, I'm going to do a spice drum for people like me. Something that's different. This is way different from any space. Yeah, way different, exactly. Yes. And so, so I kind of I set out to just you know not imitate. You know, I, I I bought a bunch of different spice drums and said, okay, how do all these taste? What what do I not like about them? And mm -hmm. and and made that my strong point. Now I will say I I enjoy even the sort of like over the counter sort of uh, spice drums from time to time. But I will tell you that like if we're let's say we're out at a concert. And you go to the bar for me, and I say, uh, you say, what do you want? And I go, oh, see if they have any spice rum. If you come back with a spice rum, I may take it and drink the whole thing and not be able to tell you whether it was Sailor Jerry's or Captain Morgan's. Mm -hmm. Because they're just... There's a similar profile. There's just profiles. a real similar profile. This, I could tell this you right different. off the bat. Yeah. Wow. What, I'd, I'd be asking you, what is this? Where can I get it? Mm -hmm. uh, this, is, uh, this is really interesting. Walk me through... The spices one more time. Uh, Mexican whole bean vanilla, Jamaican allspice, locally roasted coffee, um, some oak, uh, house made caramel, a little bit of raisin in there as well. I was gonna say there's a little bit of sweetness. I guess that must be from the raisins. The raisins, yeah, it adds kind yeah. of that dried fruit, um, which is kind of a traditional spicing. That's uh, the reason you like this. Uh, it's you get the sugars out of it. This Good. is this is the spiced rum cousin. To barley wine. That's why you're liking it, yeah, Ian. I'm yeah, telling you. I just drink it neat. Yeah, this is great. This is really, really good. Okay, we have one more segment, and we have uh, uh, we have some Abita Turbo Dog to taste. We owe uh, Terrence. Terrence, yes. So we'll be back with that. It's smoking and toasting. Back, it's smoking and toasting. I think I'm in a, a, a spiced rum induced haze at this point. This is uh, <laughs> this is really good and really, and it's definitely driving me towards that holiday spirit now. This is the first thing that I've had. Well, this and the and the pumpkin ale, I will say, from earlier, are both making me think. You know, we're getting close to like Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas time. Well, and beer and spirits pairing, those two really work together as well. Well, they really do, and and that's not. And I am very, very interested, uh, just mentioning the, the gold, very interested in pairing that with cigar. That's something that I'm looking forward to trying. So uh, we have a lot to look forward to here on this program. <laughs> so how many cigars would you say is a lot? If I tell you that I smoked X number of cigars a day, how X many would it, how many would it be before you said... Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, cigars are pretty time-consuming. Right. So, 
five cigars, six cigars. That's okay. a lot. All right. I think, well, you know. <clears throat> All-time Chicago Bulls basketball star Michael Jordan loves a good cigar. And in the new Cigar Aficionado that's about to hit the stands, he says he loves them about six times a day. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he is the cover guy for the October 29th uh, upcoming edition of Cigar Aficionado magazine. And a video on the uh, website shows him getting a rare box of 60-year-old Cuban cigars from the publication's founder. And uh, Michael Jordan says, you know I'm not going to waste this. I'm going to take joy and smoke every effing one of them so, <laughs> <laughs> so. i gotta tell you i really do enjoy the cigar aficionado publication I, it's, like, it's a good magazine i enjoy it solid. very much uh jordan said his favorite cigar is the cuban particus lusitania uh, which the magazine says retails for about 13 dollars each in cuba as of about two years ago however he says he really likes a variety and he also called going to cuba to visit cigar makers his dream trip but he said because his wife is from cuba uh, there's no uh, political complications for him to go there. Oh, wow. So, and very interesting. Uh, a few other cigar-related Jordan tidbits. He started to smoke in 1991, became a daily smoker by 93, and at some point he began smoking a cigar while driving to the old Chicago Stadium before games. Um, Richard Lazenby, in his book uh, Blood on the Horn, said that after games, Jordan and various teammates would pound down five or six beers and then fire up a cigar. Uh, it's not unusual for pro basketball players to drink beers after games. They've been doing it for decades. It helped them replace the bodily fluids they've sweated away. This is my new thing. When somebody talks about, uh, wow, you drink a lot of beer, I'll go, well, you know, it replaces the bodily fluids that you that, sweat that away. That sweating away, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's basically uh, So Jordan has a 28,000-square-foot uh, home in Florida. It has a home theater built in with a... Uh, an industrial strength air purification system so that he can uh, uh, smoke and uh, watch movies or sports. And he loves to smoke on the golf courts. And that's all stuff coming out in the new uh, Cigar Aficionado. But Michael Jordan, six cigars a day. He smokes six a day. That's definitely respectable. I'm I'm not feeling quite so, like, over the top anymore. That's good. This you know, good. like, I guess... I guess if I look at it, I smoke a cigar every couple days. Yeah, I don't. It, very rarely do I have a, a more than one cigar day. Yeah, uh, because it's usually at the end of the evening. I'll have you, Sometimes I'll have you, two cigars. Except when you come over to my house. When I come over to your house, yeah, like we we had a bad influence. <laughs> two or three cigars, but uh, but usually once every couple days is about when I can break off the time and. Yeah, sit there and, do it. and I really enjoy my time doing it. It's about it's really about the time. I mean, you can smoke more, right. If you're not waiting for a more opportune moment, right? Uh, so that, that probably is is why I lean towards. I like the bigger ring gauge, the bigger mm -hmm. cigars too. You want that longer when experience. I light it up. Yeah. I'm committed. You know, I'm with you. I'm with you. Speaking of commitment, the Abita Brewing Company has been committed to making amazing beers for a number of years now and they are located in Covington, Louisiana. Uh, we had a, a listener on our Facebook live feed. Uh, what, what was it? Terrence? Terrence, yeah. Terrence, yeah. Who uh, asked if we, you know, had Abita beers. And we talked about this a little bit on a previous show that we'd had uh, a number of different Abita beers and it, it seemed like our consensus favorite from what we had had was in fact the Turbo Dog. And the Turbo Dog is their brown ale. So what I did is I went out and bought us some Turbo Dog so we could talk about it on the show. And uh, we actually didn't get to it on Tuesday's show. So even though Ian and I have both had this, this is one of those wonderful reminders because this is, um, I, I'm just going to say even before we taste it, this is what a brown ale is supposed to be like. <laughs> Turbo Dog is great. It's really good. They changed the label recently, I yes, guess. Yes, they did. I it's say recently. I haven't had it in a while. This is a 5.6 uh, ABV mm -hmm. brown ale, and it has been an outstanding did you uh, show Brian. the? Did you show the I dog? Did. I had, I had okay, it up on good. the camera and everything. Yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is a newer, kind of more contemporary uh, Turbo Dog, I guess. Uh, but it's a it's it's kind of yeah, a mainstay is, from uh, from the Abita Brewery. This is a and, solid badass brown ale. And we talked about we don't necessarily care for every beer they put out. No, there's some of them I don't like. But like the, the Indicator is pretty popular, and I'm not yeah, a fan of that. I'm one. I'm not um, huge on that. And Purple Haze is a little sweet for me. Purple Haze is a little too sweet, and yeah. it's one of their best sellers. Yeah, big time. But Turbo Dog is where we all come together and say, <laughs> but Turbo Great Dog, beer. yeah, that's yeah. 
You can uh, always get there. How are you Ian, feeling about it? Are, are you a Turbo Dog fan? I Have love Turbo it Dog. It's, it was actually one of my first uh, craft beers mm. that oh, wow. I'd ever had. And uh, I remember a, a coworker of mine brought some by, and I was like, I've never had anything like this. This is great. You, you know, it's <laughs> one of the things that I really want to do a little bit more of here on the show because it's always so tempting to want to taste the new things that come out, you know, for the obvious right. reasons. You want to you uh, try them, you want to taste them, and you want to be able to share with people so they'll know what these new beers coming out are, are like. But I think it's important that every once in a while we go back and taste a Turbo Dog. We go back and taste a Sam Adams. Sam we Adams, go, yeah. We go back and taste a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, you know, the, because these are the beers upon which the craft movement was built right, right. you know and these guys quite frankly deserve credit for continuing anchor to steam. put out anchor steam for continuing to put out a great product all these years they may not be the newest prettiest girl in class so to speak but they really have kept their standards up and continue yeah. to make a great i mean come on this is a great brown ale absolutely it's just absolutely. it's just what do you get in this flavor wise we don't talk we don't often talk the beers we know better we don't spend as much time describing what the flavor profile is I think. this is a very malty beer very mm -hmm. malty um they they craft this with a lot of care in the um hop finish on it because it has a little crisp finish mm -hmm. no bitterness really no bitterness but a lot of caramel and um and almost brown sugary kind of notes with the uh with the with the uh, malty flavors in there, I'm just impressed by how easy it drinks. Yeah, with and all it, of that and it going on, quick and easy. It, it doesn't come across like a thicker, heavier beer. Well, when they hop this, when they do the bittering hops on this, they do it. Like, I don't know. They're, they're like they have a magic thing about it to where it just <laughs> finishes so crisp and clean. I, I think that should be our go-to. How do you do it? If it's hard to explain, just magic. Magic. It's yeah. just magic. It's just magic. Right. Yeah. That's how they do <laughs> the it. People at Abita have. <laughs> Magic. They have they mastered. Use. They have mastered the uh, the magic the magic touch. So, <laughs> well, Ian uh, Mook from Grateful Dane uh, Rum Distillery, I, I have a feeling you're you're in the process of mastering this magic touch too, because you've now got three products that I think not only are all three outstanding, but that appeal each one of them to a very different consumer. You know, you're yep. you're sort of straight ahead. Your silver is that. That rum that is going to be so good in mixed drinks, absolutely. Uh, but but it still stands up well enough if you're sipping it, you know, neat on its own. Thank you. The gold takes it to the next level as far as the oak and the aging, and then the spice rum is like nothing I've ever experienced before. It's just delicious. But but it's it's I will I will put up the disclaimer. It's not. Captain Morgan's, it's not that kind of spiced rum. It's like a completely different animal. Absolutely. And I don't say that to diss Captain Morgan's. I actually well, I'll say it. that. It's Texas Morgan. spice. I'll say so that I, enjoy I generally won't buy Captain Morgan's because I don't really like that spiced rum flavor. Yeah. But I would buy this. This is fantastic. Well, I enjoy my favorite spiced rum up to now has been uh, Kraken. Same here. And I will also say that I have tried some spiced rums where they've tried to go different like you have here. Where they've tried to go different from that normal spice, and they've been undrinkable. They've been so bad. I'm serious. Like, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but from some of the major uh, manufacturers, guys who I will drink their other rum, but I won't drink their spiced, right? Because it's awful. Uh, and they just, but it's like they're trying. They don't, they don't know what exactly to do. So they go, okay, here, here it is. Try this. And yours the does not come off. Right, version. yours does not come off this way at all. It, it feels very crafted for the specific type of flavor that you wound up with, uh, or at least that's that's what it feels like when I drink it. I mean, you tell me. No, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm. Is going this for. what you were going for? Exactly. You, yeah, yeah. That's where, yeah. where is your distillery uh, located? What's the address there? We're at fifty-two fifty Golfton Suite One H. Fifty-two uh, fifty Golfton. Where it just it's it's a little one business age. complex and uh -huh. uh, and you have a tasting room. Tasting room. We just opened in June. We're open every Saturday from one to five p.m. Currently, um, once we start getting more people that we can handle in that four-hour period of time, we'll we'll extend that. Mm -hmm. um, but we're just getting open. It's a small little tasting room. Tours and tastings are free. Come by and try all of our rums for free. And let me show I you how I that. make them for free. And I then we have that. cheap cocktails, cheap, Did you strong cocktails. Yeah, it's all Your free. tours and tasting yeah. is free. You know, free. Yeah, it's a great way to spend a Saturday afternoon. And free. then and then you up it if you want a cocktail. You yeah. up it from free to cheap. Cheap, yeah. cheap cocktails. That's amazing. Strong. There's, you get your money's worth. Yeah. And, 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 we, we, and we also have bottles and T-shirts and all that available That's for purchase. Awesome. Those T-shirts look great, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. I'll just mention that free is my favorite price. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and yeah. cheap 
is one of my favorite prizes. Did you so, bring? Uh, did you bring a, a swag we can show on the? Yeah. Camera on the here. camera? Oh, that's a good idea in our closing moments of the show here because uh, they really do have a great uh, our a great vibe going. By the way, oh, oh, that's great. Our Rum, day. HTX. I love that it. That is great. I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, <clears throat> we also have glasses. If you come by any Saturday, we've oh, got oh, like these the glasses. Mason jar, yeah. The mason jar. Uh, that's you, great. You buy a glass and you bring it back and we refill it for just the cost of the cocktail. So oh, that's great. Makes and your cheap drink. This is Radio Brave. Keep listening. It gets even better. Currently we have Radio Brave. We do rum and cokes. We keep it pretty simple. We do some hurricanes, mojitos, daiquiris on occasion. Just We have different things every week and check out our Facebook uh, the week before, and we'll tell you what we have a special on. Well, how much fun has this been? Grateful Dan Rum, thank you uh, so much, Ian, for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. We did run out of time for sampling the uh, Mumford & Sons IPA. We'll have to get to that next week. Uh, But we have uh, sincerely enjoyed talking rum with Ian, and so we will uh, will leave you all with uh, have a wonderful week, and cheers. 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 Cheers.